Hello and welcome to the NicheSiteTools.com podcast where we share experiences, tips, and tools to help everyone achieve a greater level of success with their online adventures. Hey everyone, welcome to episode number 91 of the NicheSiteTools.com podcast. So glad to have you here. In today's episode, I think I'm going to entitle Mix of Topics and Best Podcast Players. So that might be subject to change. So if you get the email with the title of this post or podcast episode, it may be slightly different, but I got a couple of different things that I want to talk about, some actionable items for you guys. But I definitely do want to talk about a discussion that we had in the private Facebook mastermind group about the best podcast players and the ones that people in the community are using. So we're going to talk all about that today. But before we do that, I wanted to quickly thank one of the recent email subscribers, Charlie, that I think I mentioned in the last episode, he recently emailed me over this past week to let me know that he listened to every single one of the 90 podcast episodes in two weeks. In the past two weeks, he listened to every single one. That's just a huge amount of time to spend listening to my voice and being part of the community and being tapped in, so I really appreciate that. I know how that goes. When I started out, I would consume every one of the podcast episodes that I could get for the folks I was following, like Mark Mason, like Pat Flynn, like Cliff Ravenscraft. So I know exactly how that goes, and I really appreciate that. I haven't heard anyone mention that they've listened to all the podcast episodes in a row like that. So that's really huge, and I just wanted to give you another quick shout-out and just say thanks for being part of the community. And Charlie also took that additional step to reach out to me via email and let me know what niche site he's thinking about doing, and I thought it was a great idea for him. This is something he already does in person with folks during the day, and then what he could do is just create that website and create that authority website around that same topic. It would be a great extension of what he already does. He could give a resource like a business card or something, say, here. Check out my website for more details. You can sign up for my email list and you'll get my top tips on how to do this, which would be perfect for his particular niche. I don't want to give away anything as far as this topic goes, but it's a perfect extension of what he already does and it's something he already knows a lot about. He's an expert on the topic, so it just fits perfectly with what he would want to do. So I think that's a great idea. And again, thanks so much for listening to all my episodes in a two-week period. It's got to be a new world record. So there's something out there for you guys to try for. See if you can do it in less than two weeks. But anyway, thanks again. And I wanted to also talk about a couple of things that's been going on in my life in the past two weeks and how it might relate to what you go through from time to time. I'm currently having a problem with shiny object syndrome. When I was thinking about topics for this particular episode, I had so many different ideas that I've been thinking about lately that I really want to explore more and get into. And some of those ideas include experimenting with landing pages, creating more YouTube videos on my YouTube channel, experimenting with Facebook ads, and and all those types of things. So those three things are something that have key, been key on my mind. And I was thinking that I would do something on this particular episode about one of those topics. But because I haven't focused on any particular one, I didn't make progress on any of them. And that's absolutely what happens, especially for me. I know my wife is really good about multitasking. So she can do 100 different things at the same time and make progress on them. And she's really good at it. Helps her in her day job. And incidentally, I actually worked on creating a website 
website for her over this past week, something that she's looking to get into. So that took a bit of my time. But the bottom line for me and for many people and what most people tell you to do is definitely focus on one thing at a time so that you can make the best use of your time and effort and get the most accomplished. That absolutely is 100% true for me because I had all these different ideas. I listened to a couple of different podcasts over the past two weeks on these topics and it got me thinking more about them and how I could use them on my niche websites. So I had all these ideas in, in my mind floating around, but I didn't make progress on any particular one. So what I really need to do and what you probably need to do if you run into the same type of thing, if you're trying to do so many different things at once, you really need to step back and see what's most important to you and what you want to focus on over the next week, days, hours, whatever it is. And for me, I don't know exactly what that's going to be yet because I definitely need to lay things out and see what would be the best use of my time. I don't have a lot of landing page specific pages on websites. So I don't have something like a landing page where I could drive Facebook ads to that to get more email opt-ins and things like that. I don't. I just don't have a lot of that. But I know that's something that a lot of folks do successfully and get a lot of email opt-ins to their niche websites in that way. And I know it's something that can be really useful to do. So that kind of goes together. So if I were to create landing pages, drive some Facebook ads to those landing pages and see how that works out from a conversion standpoint, those two things could tie together. But the other thing, I listened to a podcast over the last week from Noah Kagan, from Sumo Me, and from Brian Dean from Backlinko. It was a combined podcast episode. And basically, they were talking about YouTube videos and utilizing YouTube videos for success. And Brian Dean's working on a SEO program, training program for YouTube videos. So that's something I've been interested in, but I haven't done a lot of videos recently. I would say within the last year, I probably have very few videos that I've created on my YouTube channel. But I do have a YouTube channel for the Niche Site Tools website, and I do have some other videos for my other niche sites. So if you did happen to want to check out my YouTube channel, you can go over to nichesitetools.com forward slash YouTube and you can see the videos I have out there. I have some training videos on utilizing Easy Azon, one of the more popular plugins on the site, how to use um, Longtail Pro for keyword research and things like that. So things related to the Niche Site Tools website. There's a couple of videos out there and I hope to have more in the future. I just don't know which direction I want to take that right now. But I know obviously for the past several years, videos have been really popular. A lot of the younger folks out there, like my nieces and nephews who are really young, all they do is watch YouTube videos. So they don't really care about cable TV all that much. They would just prefer to watch a YouTube video and watch their cartoons or watch whatever it is they like to watch all on YouTube on a smart device, iPad, iPhone, Android device, just just some sort of mobile device, and they're on the go constantly doing that. So it's very likely that's that's going to get even more popular as time goes on. I know a lot of the folks that I listen to, like I constantly listen to the Dave Ramsey podcast, and he now has his own YouTube channel where he does the uh, radio show that he does live on YouTube. So you can not only listen to the podcast or listen to him on any number of radio stations out there, satellite radio you can now watch him live on the show on youtube 
So it's just an extension for a lot of folks, depending on what medium you're using. It may be something that naturally you can transition to. It may be something that you can do quick tutorial webinars, screencasts. There's any number of things you can do with video. You don't have to necessarily put yourself out there and put yourself in front of the camera for everybody to see. You could do like text-based webinars, screen captures where you're showing people something and you don't necessarily have to have yourself out there live on video. So I just don't know exactly where I want to take this. I definitely think the step-by-step route, like product reviews and things like that, would lend itself to something like I do. And I have other niche websites where I've done like, um, I don't know exactly what you call them, but character videos. So you can pay somebody like on a Fiverr, like somewhere between 5 and $25 to take some text that you have, and then they can use cartoon pictorials, or they could just do um, like kind of like a PowerPoint video, but with some more animation, some actual characters on there. So there's a lot of different ways you could utilize video to not only tell somebody something in a step-by-step way or try to get more traffic back to your website. So there's a lot of different topics that I have in my mind that I could use this for on different niche websites. I just don't know where really where I want to take that right now. So over the course of the last two weeks, I've been trying to figure out the best software I can use for it. I have Camtasia Studio. It's probably one of the best software programs out there to do screen capture videos and things like that. It's very powerful, but there's also a difficult learning curve. So I was trying to think, is there a particular piece of software that would help people create YouTube videos quickly and easily that's you know a lot cheaper because Camtasia can be a little bit expensive for new folks. I think it's over $100 if, if, even if you find a deal out there. So it, it has some high barriers to entry. So I was trying to find software that I could use to make things easier that I could also recommend to you guys because I know a lot of you are interested in YouTube videos or just creating videos for your website in general. So I know that's a topic that a lot of you are considering. You know it's a popular medium. You know people are making a lot of money on YouTube videos, and you can probably incorporate that into your own online projects. So it's something I'm trying to think of in terms of how can I use something to help me, and I can also recommend to you guys to help get you guys going. So that's something I'm thinking of. And if you happen to be incorporating videos into your website projects and you have some inexpensive software or things to make things easier, or you have some suggestions for beginners and things like that, I'd love to hear them. So just email me, chris at nichesitetools.com. And that might help me focus a bit so that I can bring you guys some information in some future podcast episodes or blog posts. So that's something I'm thinking about. And in addition, I'm definitely thinking about the idea of better use utilizing landing pages. So I have the Thrive Landing Pages plugin, and I definitely would like to utilize that more and experiment with using landing pages and possibly using Facebook ads to drive traffic to a landing page to attempt to get more email opt-ins. So these are all things in the back of my mind that I know you guys are probably thinking about as well because I've heard folks ask about that in the private Facebook mastermind group and in emails over the past. So hopefully these are some good topics and hopefully I will have something for you in the near future. I'm not going to say for 100% certainty it'll be in the next episode, but certainly I want to experiment with some of these things, try and get some good results, and then bring back some information to you guys. So anything that you might have experimented with on either of those topics, again, just reach out to me, chris at nichesitetools.com, and I'd love to talk to you just via email to get some ideas, throw some ideas out there, see what might have worked for you, and see how I can bring that to you guys out there in the audience. So that would be awesome. And also on the 
the past couple of weeks, I don't remember how much I've told you guys since the beginning of the year. But so if this some of this is a repeat, I apologize. But I don't think I mentioned any of this on the previous podcast episodes. But towards the beginning of the year and towards the end of last year, I had some stuff going on for my day job. And basically for the last 10 years, I was working technically as a contractor for the company that I work for, but I was actually a full-time employee of these other contract companies that I was contracting through. So I basically worked at this company for the last 10 years. And a couple of times during those 10 years, they really would have liked to get me on full-time. But as a contractor, typically you're paid more. You may not get the same types of benefits that somebody internally would. But for me, since I get the medical benefits and everything through my wife's job, for me, it was more important just to get the extra money that I could get as a contract worker as opposed to being full-time. But after 10 years, an opportunity came up to basically work for the same group I have, and the pay was good. It would be a slight pay cut from what I was making as a contractor, but Overall, it I saw it as an opportunity to go ahead and jump into a senior role, basically the same thing I'm doing, but finally make the switch to full-time. My thought was at the time that certainly I've been there 10 years. It's a really great place to work. I really enjoy all the people I work with, and everything just lined up. So I thought it was a great opportunity. They definitely went out of their way to bring me on full-time, and they were really pushing me for this. So I went ahead and did it. I basically applied, interviewed for the job, got the job, and started at the beginning of January of this year, thinking that this was going to be more stable. And as a contract worker, it's generally a little bit more unstable. You never know what could happen. So we've been renting for the last several years. So I took this opportunity that now that I finally have the full-time gig, and it's generally looked at as one of the more stable places to work around here. Like I said, a lot of folks I know have been there 25, 30 years, so We had been taking the opportunity to look for houses to basically go from renting to purchasing something again. We had owned a house. uh, Last time we owned a house was about four years ago. We went through some issues with that house. So we were good with renting for a while. We wanted to get out of home ownership for a while, but this was a good opportunity. We started to look at some existing houses for sale, explored the idea of possibly building a house. And we ended up signing a deal to build a house in January. So this is something that we initiated, um, signed the contract, put the deposit down. And it's something that's going to take about six months to build the house. And actually, they're going to break ground on that next week. So that was what was going through my mind in the beginning of January. Things were lining up. We were making some longer term plans. Everything was good. And then fast forward towards the end of January, beginning of February, out of nowhere, this activist investor group had approached the board of directors of the company and was basically interested in either doing a hostile takeover of the company to install this CEO or they were going to negotiate with the board to get this outside CEO to take over the company to squeeze some additional costs and efficiencies out so that he could drive the share price of the company up, be good for outside investors, but of course, and generally most of those cases that usually involve layoffs, cuts, and other things that aren't necessarily good for employees. This was something nobody saw coming. It's not every day that an outside activist investor group tries to take over and implement a new CEO for your company when he's been there. It's been a stable force locally. It's been a stable company overall everywhere. But this guy apparently did that at another company that's in a related um, same field that we're in. So the thought is from outside investors that he can come in and do the same for our company, despite the fact that he's 72, has more money than he knows what to do with. People are 
you know, these people that have all that money, it's not all about money. He must have a reason that he wants to do this. But the bottom line is that nobody really saw that coming. That just was completely, again, out of left field. Of course, it's not every day that some activist investor group tries to take over the CEO of your company, and it sounds like he's going to be successful in doing so. The CEO already announced he's going to retire the existing one in May. So this is something that's unfolding as we speak, and who really knows what's going to happen. But in the last two weeks, the current CEO, while he's still there and still in charge, announced in the last two weeks that they're going to have a 1,000 layoffs of management employees. And I put that in quotes because that just really means, for the most part, salaried full-time workers. So it's not necessarily managers or things like that. It involves me and it involves anybody that's a salaried worker is potentially subject to these layoffs. And over the last two weeks, what they did was they put out a voluntary severance package. So if you've been there, if you're over a certain age and you've been there more than 10 years, you could take this enhanced severance where you get a couple of months, somewhere between three and 12 months of pay to go ahead and voluntarily submit to retire from the company. So that's a way to get a bunch of people, hopefully that won't have to lose their jobs that are close to retirement age, they can take this enhanced incentive incentive, and then either retire early or go work somewhere else or whatever the case may be. But so far, they've had about four to 500 people take that voluntary package. So that cuts the actual layoffs in half. And then if other groups had open positions that they hadn't yet filled in and things like that, the managers can offer up those positions that can count towards that 1,000. So the hope is that not all of the remaining 500 people that need to be cut or positions that need to be cut will result in actual layoffs of people, but certainly there's going to be a good chunk of people that are no longer working for the company, will be laid off. And it's been a really tough time. You know, that's all anybody's talking about. And it's really, you know, obviously affecting my well-being, having to think about this all the time. What is this going to be? And and this is completely unexpected, like a company that, you know, everybody has worked at forever. And it's been one of the most stable companies to work at. You would never think that something like this is going to happen out of left field. So certainly it's outside of all of our control, but that doesn't make things better. But the bottom line is that for me, these last two weeks have been really stressful, not knowing what's going to happen. And all these layoffs are going to happen within the next two weeks. So it's going to be another stressful two weeks for me. Who knows what's going to happen, but we're breaking ground, like I said, on the house next week. They're going to be pouring the foundation and all that. So it's not really good timing, but who could have, nobody could have predicted this. It's not something that was through any fault of our own. So certainly I'm just continuing to work, continuing to do my job as best I can, given the situation and to keep my skills current. And I've, you know, feel relatively comfortable that since I'm in IT, and I constantly try to keep my skills current, that I will be in in demand. Hopefully, if anything negative were to happen and I were to lose my job, hopefully I'd be able to find one relatively quickly. But certainly, this has been something that's been a major distraction for me and anybody else in this current situation. Luckily, my wife is great. She says, don't worry about it. We'll work through it. Whatever happens, we'll get through it. We're completely out of debt because I do listen to Dave Ramsey all the time, so it could be a much worse situation. We have a good emergency fund. We've been saving for that down payment for the house. 
So given everything else, it, it could be much worse and to have that support system in place is so important. But at the same time, this has really brought to light this whole idea of online business and being able to sort of control your own destiny where this company, I would have said, I would have recommended it to anybody. And depending on what happens, hopefully things work out for the best. Hopefully this isn't the terrible thing that it could be. And hopefully it will be a good place to work in the future. Hopefully all that works out. That's still yet to be determined. But the bottom line is that this really brought to light for myself and for my wife and for you guys out there is that even if you have the most stable job or what appears to be the most stable day job in the world, you never know what could happen. Again, this is one of the best companies to work has been rated by employees for years and years and years. But in the drop of a hat, things could change. You never know what can happen. And all of this is completely outside of my control. It's, like I said, no fault of our own. But again, hopefully everything works out for the best and time will tell. We'll find out that in the next coming weeks or months. But it kind of reminded me of Pat Flint's story when he was working for the architecture company and then through no fault of his own, downturn in the economy, whatever it was that happened, and he ended up losing his job, and then that's when he transitioned to his online business 100%, and most of you know the story from there, so he's making over $100,000 a month doing what he does, and of course, he's an outlier, he's not the norm, he's the exception to the rule, but certainly, thinking in terms now, I'm thinking, how can I expand my online business if something does happen where you have more control over things and you can kind of control your own destiny and your own outcome. So it definitely hit home the importance of definitely continuing to work on your online niche sites and continue to try to have the most success that you can. That way you have some flexibility in the future. So that's really all I wanted to say about that. Just kind of wanted to let you guys know where my head's at and I'm going to do my best to listen to my wife and say there's not much you can do about it. So just be positive continue to do your job the best you can and then hope for the best and we'll be good either way. So, so glad to have my wife there as the stable force in the relationship, always saying everything's going to be fine. Whatever it is, we'll get through it. And I am definitely the warrior in the relationship. So I will try to put that aside, but that's what we've been dealing with. Hopefully things will be for the best. Everything will work out and I'll talk to you in a couple of months and it'll be like a distant memory. But I would certainly appreciate any positive thoughts you could send our way that every this will blow over and everything will be good. And if you're going through any difficult times in your life, I certainly wish the same for you. But let's put that subject to rest and stay positive. Something I wanted to bring you was a tip that I'd never heard before from Noah Kagan and Brian Dean when I was listening to that podcast episode where they're talking about uh, working on videos and ranking SEO for videos and things like that was the main subject. But this was something in particular related to SEO that I'd never heard anybody mention before, and I wanted to bring it to you guys here today. And what Brian Dean said is that if you follow him, you know that he does not put out content an awful lot. He focuses a lot of time and effort into one piece of content, and he'll do one piece of content per month on his website. And it's a really long one, really detailed. He basically wants to be the best resource on whatever he's going to put out there, and he certainly focuses on quality over quantity. And I think, of course, if you have the time, you should focus on both, but it definitely makes sense. If you're going to put something out there, there's a lot of different uh, topics or articles on the same subject out there, thousands of them. So you want to do your best to stand out, and he does a great job of that. As far as SEO goes, he knows what he's doing. He's one of the main resources on the topic. So what he suggested actually is 
something that he does is he actually removes old content that doesn't get a lot of traffic. And I had never heard of going out there and removing old content that doesn't get a lot of traffic. And his point was that since there's a limited number of link juice or page authority and all that sort of stuff as far as SEO goes out there, there's a limited amount that your website can have. So his idea is to spread that link juice out amongst less articles. So let's let's just give a quick example to talk it through. So let's say you have a 100 articles on your website and let's say maybe five of them are really pillar articles. So maybe the, each of them get 10% of your link juice and then all the other 95 articles on your website get a bit of the rest. So maybe some of them get 1%, some of them get 2%. The rankings for those five articles that you have on your site are pretty good, but on the rest of them, they're just kind of out there on the bottom of the first page, on page two, three, four, five, six on Google's rankings, and they're not really ranking all that well. So let's say you have an article that gets only two or three page views per month on an average basis. So what he said was, go into your Google Analytics stats, pull up your stats for let's say the last six months, and then sort it by the amount of page views for your article. And I can tell you really quickly how you do that. It basically said, go to Google Analytics, click on the website that you're interested in, click on behavior, site content, all pages, and then sort it by the page views. So then what you could do is sort it by reverse page views actually, so that the least amount of page views per that six month period show up at the top. And he said, there's gonna be a lot of things right at the top that don't look like they make sense. So there's gonna be some search results if you have a search option on your website and a whole bunch of other things there that show up at the top that really only got one or two page views in that six month period. So what you wanna do is just basically scroll down until you find things that are actual articles or posts on your website. So actual content that you know that you created a piece of content around and look into possibly deleting those if they're something that is just out of date. It's a really small article that you never really intended to be out there forever. So for instance, I know I have a couple of things on there that I may have mentioned. I know for sure on my personal blog that I did like probably 2013 Cyber Monday deals or something like that that really are completely irrelevant today. Nobody's going to search for 2013 Cyber Monday deals. So I know on my personal blog, I have a ton of that that would make sense probably to go out there and delete that I just never really intended to be out there for any length of time. And his point is that if you can remove those articles that are stealing a little bit of page juice, link juice here and there, as far as rankings and traffic and SEO goes, you can give that link juice back to those main articles that are really doing a good job of bringing in traffic and you can help them rank even better to get in more traffic. And that's something, again, that I never really heard people say, go out and actually remove content that you have on your website that's not bringing in traffic. And the more I thought about that, the more I thought that really does make sense, especially for things that were intended only for a promotional period of time or something that you really didn't intend to be out there forever. It's not evergreen content. One thing he didn't say is what he would do as far as if he would go out there to Google to remove the links that you had out there. So if your content was out there and it's indexed, you can go out to 
Google. Once you remove the content from your website, you can go out to Google and tell it to remove the URL that they have in their search engine. They have a tool for that that you can do through your Webmaster Tools or Google Search Console account. And you can tell it that this URL no longer exists on your site and it'll remove it from the engine. So that would be my suggestion. If you are going to think about doing that to give more link juice to your existing articles by removing old articles that really get very little to no traffic over a couple of month period, that you go out there and then you go ahead and remove that URL from Google search engine so that it doesn't result in any 404 errors or broken links or things like that. So it's just something you might want to consider. I'm definitely going to consider it. I'm going to go back and look at uh, on some of my main sites on content that I didn't intend to have evergreen content for. So if it was just a small promotional post from a couple of years ago that didn't make sense, it probably is a good idea to go ahead and delete that from my site to give that link juice back to other articles that I would like to have rank better. So Brian Dean is the king of SEO, so if he's saying it and it's something he does, I'm sure it probably has been working for him, so it's definitely something to consider. Of course, before you do anything, consider the potentially negative ramifications that could have, and certainly, like I said, it it came from Brian Dean, and he's been doing it, and it's been working really well for him, so... It definitely sounds like something that makes sense to do. But again, consider weigh the pros and cons and decide if that's a good idea for you. But it definitely was interesting, something I haven't heard. So I did want to pass it along to you, let you guys decide if it's something you want to do. And Noah Kagan had never heard of that uh, method at all before either. And it was something that he was definitely going to try. So definitely something cool, something unique, and uh, might be worth uh, checking out. So I want to pass that along to you guys. And now what I wanted to quickly bring to you is the subject of podcast players and what might be the best ones out there, which ones you might want to consider. And uh, I, like I said, I posted the question to the private Facebook mastermind group over at nichesitetools.com forward slash mastermind on which programs people are using, which ones they think are the best and which one they would recommend to others. And I really don't have the time to go into full depth on all the features of these particular programs, but I did want to give you guys some suggestions on things you can do programs that you can try out, download them, give them a shot, and see if they're better than the players that you use. Obviously, if you're listening to this episode, you're using some sort of podcast player or you're listening in some fashion on your computer, and these are programs that you might not have known about or hadn't considered that you might want to check out. There was definitely a clear winner on the Android side, and I was surprised because I had never heard of this one, but I've been an iOS user for the past five years at least, so I've been a little out of the loop on the Android side, but the overwhelming winner was Podcast Addict, and that is a free program that uh, several folks in the group really loved. They said they used it exclusively, and they highly recommended it, so if you are an Android user, definitely check out Podcast Addict first, give it a try, see if it uh, does exactly what you're looking for. If you didn't know about it, give it a shot. See if it does things better than your podcast player. Unfortunately, it doesn't look like they have a version for iOS because of all the great reviews. I wanted to check it out myself, but uh, unfortunately, they don't have an iOS version of Podcast Addict. But if you're an Android user, definitely check that out. Give it a shot. 
In second place for Android was the mention of the software called Pocket Cast. That's an application, and that's actually the one that I used when I was on Android five or six years ago. That's the one I actually paid for, and I really like the Pocket Cast app, and it is still out there. And that is $3.99, so if you're interested in checking that out, Um, I can definitely vouch for it being one of the greatest players out there at the time. But of course, that was a long, long time ago. But it looks like they still have a huge following. And that one is available for both iOS and Android. So if you are looking for a paid one with support and things like that, that's definitely one worth checking out. And then in third place for our Android was Stitcher. So that is free. The Podcast Addict application was free as well. And then the Pocket Cast comes in at $3.99. So those are definitely the three I would recommend checking out on Android. So first I would say check out Podcast Addict, which is free. Then check out Stitcher and then check out Pocket Cast. If you are okay with making a purchase, it's $3.99 for both Android and iOS. And on iOS, it was a clear winner as well. The Overcast app was the one most recommended for iOS, and that's actually the one that I use as well. And it was interesting. Prior to iOS 10 coming out for iOS devices, I used the built-in podcasting app for the iPhone. So it worked fine. I didn't have any issues with it, and it was free, so I didn't really have a reason to change. But when they upgraded to iOS 10, I really did not like the podcasting app, so much so that when they added the ability to remove some of the built-in icons to your phone or to your device, I actually went ahead and removed the podcasting app. I disliked it so much, so... I just really didn't care for the new design and how they changed things completely from what it was previously. So what I ended up doing was installing the Overcast app, which is free. And they do accept donations if you would like to donate to the cause to help them continue to put out updates and support the application. So there's a lot of folks that do use it. It's really popular and it uh, does not nag you constantly to donate and things like that. So it is definitely a great free app. I would definitely recommend if you're on iOS and you're on iOS 10 and you do not like the built-in podcasting application, definitely check out Overcast. That's definitely one of the more popular ones. And if you're looking for another alternative, Pocket Cast for $3.99 again is something that I have experience with in the past. And I know that is a great application as well. So those are the two that I would recommend on iOS. Again, for Android, it was Podcast Addict, then Stitcher, then Pocket Cast. And for iOS, you can use the default one if you don't mind it, but I would recommend checking out Overcast. It's a great product and they are putting out updates a lot. Coincidentally, actually over the last couple of days, they put out an update that removed the swipe to delete option within the podcast app in the Overcast app. So what happens is normally you just swipe to the left to delete the podcast episode. And that was a great feature that a lot of people complained that they should not have removed and he added it right back. So he's very responsive. I'm not sure if it's just one person or if he has a team of people, but he's very responsive. People posted in the reviews, please add that feature back. And today that feature was added right back. So that is definitely good to see that he's responsive and listens to customers as far as what they're looking for as far as features go. So if you don't really like your podcast player or you're considering one that maybe has some more features or maybe has features you didn't even know you wanted, definitely check out some of those podcast players. 
And also, before we wrap things up, I want to quickly mention that if you guys ever have any topics that you're interested in hearing about, please email them to me, chris at nichesitetools.com. I generally reach out to new subscribers like I did this past week. I sent an email to about 20 new folks. Didn't get any responses this time. This I think the first time that I didn't get any responses when emailing that n- number of folks as far as what you guys might want to hear about. Let me know what you're working on so I have a better idea on some different topics for upcoming episodes definitely reach out to me. I would love to hear what you guys are interested in hearing about. And again, I'm hoping to bring some information about landing pages, YouTube videos, or Facebook ads, something along those lines in the near future. So if one of those particular topics resonates with you more, definitely let me know and maybe I'll focus more of my efforts on uh, that particular route on one of those versus uh, all three of them. Obviously, I need to focus on one of them or I'm not going to make any progress. But as always, feel free to reach out to me at any time with topic ideas or if you just have any questions, I am more than willing to help. And with that, we'll go ahead and wrap up this week's episode. I hope you have a fantastic upcoming two weeks, and we'll talk to you again next time. Bye-bye now. 